Welcome, you are listening to Ladies Who Genre, a podcast book club for ladies and not ladies who like to genre now and then. I'm your host, Morgan. And I'm your other host, Noelle. This is not a spoiler-free podcast, so if you've not read this episode's book and are sensitive to spoilers, please pause the podcast now and come back after you've read it. Trigger warning for those of you who need one, this book in particular will trigger you for all of the things. Yeah, no matter what it is, it it has it. Literally everything. It has gore, it has death, it has rape, it it has all the- we're just selling it right now. Oh yeah, So this is totally the book to read. If you are a sensitive person, this book is not for you. I would say Neil Gaiman is not for you, but that's not true. There are several books that you could read that are by him that are fantastic. This week we are discussing Sandman by Neil Gaiman, and specifically the full cast audiobook version that Audible put out. It covers the first three graphic novels of the comic books, which is the first 20 comic books, which are called Preludes and Nocturnes, The Doll's House, and Dream Country. So to get us started, this week's top shelf pairing for for my end of the podcast mic is St. Germain. One, I love the bottle. It's freaking gorgeous in a way that I feel is very almost like ethereal and and dreamy. It's kind of our deco too. Yeah, I don't know. It it makes me very happy. And uh, I feel like something about elderflower and like mm-hmm. well i mean the elder tree is more associated with death than it mm-hmm. is with dreams but i'm taking it death's also in this so yeah no, no like totally it. in the realm of applicable yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm drinking a whiskey sour no egg white uh that has whiskey lemon juice and sugar in it and i find this to be a little bit sour a little bit sweet and a lot of <laughs> so that's why i'm picking that one Fair enough. Uh, I need to erase the phrase fair enough from my vocab. It's not a good one. It's not useful. It's not helpful. It doesn't tell you anything. People always respond that to me when I don't understand why they're responding it to me. Yeah, I think it's kind of that need you have to continue the conversation, but you're not sure what to say. So you're like, "Mm, yes, fair enough. Sometimes it's the need to have the last word. Mm. 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 Fair Mm. enough. You should leave this then. (laughs) Uh, All right. So how stuff of where you are, Morgan? It is honestly pretty fantastic. Uh, I realized that our timeline on this and versus actual real life is completely wonky because it takes months for these to actually come out. But I am uh, working the last week of my job, which is (gasps) so hype, so excited. It's going to be so good. It's, It's not like you don't have a job, though. Like, oh yeah, no, I, I still have gainful employment. Yeah. Just I'm leaving one job in order to focus more fully on the other. Yeah. Stuff down here is like super, super cold. Like it went from being it was literally ninety degrees two weeks ago. And then like literally one day it went ninety degrees and the next day it was like fifty four degrees out. It was crazy. We all just went <laughs> burr. <laughs> so I got out my it. my monster hoodie and I've been wearing that around. My monster hoodie has spikes up the back and all sorts of and a funny face on it it's super cute is Um, it like a dinosaur yeah kind of i mean i'll put it on for you as soon as it gets cold my husband has also been heating this house to high heaven and so and i'm in the upstairs so i am currently sweating balls (laughs) noise noise toit (laughs) 
All right, so we normally read you the opening line of the book. This one required more than one line because it's sort of a an, a, an ongoing run-on thought. Mm-hmm. Gods come and gods go. Mortals flicker and flash and fade. Worlds don't last. Stars and galaxies are transient, fleeting things that twinkle like fireflies and vanish into the cold and dust. But when the first living thing drew breath, he was there, waiting, with his siblings, the Endless. Dun dun dun! Insert that, like, chapter intro music that they use in the book. Almost like Doctor Who. (laughs) Yeah. I actually love that about this book. So, like I said, we are listening to the full cast audio recording, which is crazy. I was sitting there thinking, how on earth are they going to make a comic book into a full cast audio recording? And boy, howdy, did they do that. Like they have the the coolest and sort of best atmospheric music. The cast is amazing. They have Neil Gaiman come in and read as the narrator. So like anything you can't get out of context, because I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can just get out of context. Like when people are are typing a letter you hear like you know the typing sounds of a of a typewriter in the background so you can get a lot but he comes and reads and he, he like reads his notes that he would have given to the person who was drawing it to you so you can get the context of what's going on in the scene it's amazing it's like listening to an old-timey radio drama mm-hmm. but better yeah it was very very cool i also was not sure how how it was going to happen. And to be honest, it wasn't until I think like four or five chapters in when I had recognized enough like specific phrases, like bits of dialogue and things that I was like, is wait, how much, how much is this directly from the book versus like the story, but you know, altered to fit. And upon opening up my books to look and check, it, no, it's it's essentially a word for word reading, which I mean, that shows how well the writing of the original comic books does the work of conveying the story. There's only so much of it that's actually conveyed via the, the images. Yeah, I was listening to an interview about this. And one of the things that Neil said was that he wanted to make this story accessible to people who a cannot connect with audio or with the uh, comic books who can't who, like there's people who just aren't into it. They just don't get the graphic medium and that's totally cool. Or for people who are blind, who can't see visually comic books, he wanted mm-hmm. to be able to give that experience to people who would not otherwise be able to get into that story because of the medium that it was first in. And I thought that, wow, that's really a thoughtful thing to do. But it's, it's very cool how it was done. Yeah, I, like I realize that we're gonna keep on saying like it's such a cool audiobook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we but definitely are. I don't know, like it's it's hard not to just uh, keep on emphasizing that. It does make me want to maybe try and seek out more full cast or you know, multi cast audio play esque mm-hmm. books like this because I I know there there's more of them. Yeah, they're just not the most commonly done way. I actively avoid them mm. because my so much of what I judge my audiobooks on is the reader and how the reader sounds to my ears and whether or not that was actually a problem with this one was whether or not I can go to sleep to the book I I could not I had to actually listen to another I was listening to a podcast on the side so that I could not have to go to sleep to this book because it is creepy it is not for everyone for sure like there is a lot of stuff in here that you're like oh to when you have a full cast recording there's all sorts of noises and and things that like 
are are a little bit jarring, I guess, to you when you're listening to it because it, you know you have to keep focused on it, and it's really hard to go to sleep to full cast audios. I think also, so I frequently avoid them for that reason. And also, you can't just listen to a sample and go, "Oh, this is going to be fine," because you don't know if you're actually going to dig everyone who's in it. But maybe I'm just too picky. Morgan's making faces at me for anybody who can't see her because this is a podcast. <laughs> I almost said that's fair. Uh, and <laughs> I decided not to. <laughs> no. That's great. Oh, goodness. Why don't you give us a, an, an overview, maybe? I could do that. So if you are not familiar with the series, one of the things that makes this so cool is that it's a very myths of the world sort of storyline rather than the well, I, I shouldn't say rather than Greek myths or rather than like Norse myths. It's actually, I would say, kind of includes everything. If it can take a piece of story or a uh, a mythical character, legend, what have you, it, it doesn't like replace it. It just incorporates it. All of it. Including comic books. Yeah. The, the Endless are multifaceted beings and people. Like, for example, Dream meets, what's his name? Uh, Martian Manhunter from... Mm -hmm. The comics <laughs> and he recognizes him as a uh, like a deity of dream from his own world yeah they take on whatever they need to be to the people that see them including cats like at some point he shows up as a cat god also which is so cool yeah god. there's something really beautiful about the way that as you're reading through the story it this book defies ex <laughs> explanation so i'm like it really does having a, a really hard time describing, I guess, any book where you start to get a sense of like the mythology of the world and how I'm going to be incredibly ineloquent for this podcast. <laughs> like, I, yeah. It's a cool, go read it. Yeah. That's how I feel about it too. Gaiman's really famous for that though. Like he's very famous for taking different mythologies and mashing them up. Like American gods is that also like there's, there's a whole bunch of things that he's written where he doesn't stick to one pantheon and he doesn't stick to one genre even. Like there are myths, there are gods, there are monsters, there are comic book characters in this. Like there's all kinds of things. And as far as Gaiman is concerned, they're all fair Gaiman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so funny. So the the story itself, I, I got kind of wrapped up in like, oh, this overall entire series. Let, let me let me take a step back. Let's just start with the opening. Yeah. We have this sort of like cult like house of people that mm -hmm. are they've set this up. They're doing some sort of ritual. A portal opens, a figure appears, and then uh, they realize that instead of capturing death, which was their intent, they, they wanted to like, I think, stop death for all of humanity yeah no one died mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately or fortunately both <laughs> they got the wrong one they got dream which is naked for some reason did they ever say why no i don't think they did oh no they took all of his stuff from him mm, okay they, they just took decided. his they took his three items because he has mm -hmm. those three items of power and then they took all of his clothes and they put him in there naked because I think they didn't want to give him anything that he could possibly use to get out so he's in this glass like bubble basically for like a hundred years. Uh, it was from 19, 1916 to 1988. Hmm. Okay. Coincidentally, right before this first book was published in yes, 1989. I think it was in, yeah, in uh, 89. 
which yeah. it's I think it's fun and I think it's not something that's terribly unusual for a lot of books yeah. is to mm -hmm. publish you know oh yeah this is from around the time that I happen to be alive and writing it here you yeah go. yeah <laughs> this is this is Gaiman's first foray into comics. It's the thing that made him the most famous. The only thing I think that he wrote before this was a journalistic book about was it Depeche Mode? Like I've definitely not read it. <laughs> I don't even I don't even remember what it was, but it was like a, a journal. I think it was Depeche Mode. It was a journalistic book, and um, you know, just like following the band around or whatever. But he they, he decided he wanted to write a comic book, and DC said, "Cool, but we don't want to give you like a well known." Batman like character so why don't you pick from this pantheon of characters we have that like nobody's touched in the last you know 30 40 years and see if you can like reinvent them and so Gaiman was like yeah okay <laughs> and he picked the Sandman who sort of wore a weird like hybrid World War One gas mask situation and was a totally different character essentially and he yeah. turned him into dream of the endless something important to know which they don't actually completely tell you even in any of three of these books is that morpheus his name is morpheus also he has brothers and sisters and they all uh are different aspects of humanity i would say so i think the ones that you meet are death and desire but they do talk about the other ones they talk about destiny despair destruction and delight or delirium in in this audio book audio novel they do meet despair because desire is talking to despair oh yeah yeah you're right mm -hmm. and then destiny is talking Mentioned. to no, i think he's like doesn't he talk to a mortal for a moment and like he's looking through his book and how he's like reluctant to turn to the next chapter of dream story because it's been such a rough yeah i do i do think that that was mentioned yeah mm-hmm I think it was near the beginning, uh, but just very briefly, like there's a conversation where he's talking to yeah. somebody or thinking out loud as he looks at his, at his uh, like tome of all of the history of everything. Yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe we just don't meet delirium. Do yeah, we? there's no delirium or delight. There's no destruction. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of characters. We just only get so many because this is the, the first sixth, fifth. Something like that. He said it's one sixth of what they're gonna do. So yeah. there are seventy five graphic novels. This is the first twenty of them. But there's also a prequel called Overture, which takes place before I think he gets trapped in the bubble, but was written last, and it was actually written very recently, like uh, I think three or four years ago. So you can you can get that in a graphic novel as well now. Part of what makes them so cool and is such a in a, a really awesome world building moment is that they show that once he has been trapped, he's no longer connected to the dreaming. He's no longer making dreams and sleep regulate the way they should for all of mortal kind because he's yep. cut off from it in this this little glass bubble. <laughs> and so, like, they show all these like little tiny momentary glimpses into other people's lives some people who can never fall asleep again and are in like a waking nightmare of can you imagine like if you couldn't sleep ever you're still tired yeah, yeah. but you just can't i had like, insomnia for i think two and a half years and I, it is like there's a line in fight club where they say it's like you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy and that is that is what life is like when you have insomnia i yeah yeah and then they, they have people fall asleep and just don't wake up 
Yeah, and actually some of those people that they talk about come back in later books. That is yeah. one of the things about this that I thought was so cool was when I read these as comic books, first of all, I read some of them as they were coming out because I am old enough to have that happen. Uh, and and I the first ones of them I was a little bit too young for, but I did collect them all and I read them in comic book format. So, you know, not graphic novel. And I got them when I could get them. And one of the things I didn't realize at the time was how connected all of these stories actually are to one another. Even tangentially, they are connected. And the this format somehow, I mean, I've even read them all through again, straight through, because I have like every edition of this, this series that there mm-hmm. is, including these gigantic uh, omnibus versions of them. So one of the things I didn't realize was how connected everybody is. And, and somehow this audio play version of it really brought home oh these people cross over like way more than I thought that they did so like someone you just see sleeping in their bed who can't wake up becomes a major character later on in the story and you're like oh wait a minute these people are connected somehow it was it was actually like very enlightening and and it was one of the things that made this format so cool to me because I didn't know that I could get more out of these stories than I already had. And I got a lot more. Which is so good. Like, I I was fortunate in that I read them in a more, you know, back-to-back way. I read them as graphic novels. I had the the opportunity to read maybe not all of them, but a huge chunk of them. Kind of just bam, 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 bam. Straight through, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was really, really nice uh, because it... I think that I was able to definitely pull in a lot of those small threads, that giant whiteboard with all the papers and a bunch of red thread going over mm-hmm. it. That is yeah. kind of what this is. So this this first chapter or episode of the book, he does eventually escape and realizes that he needs to get his three missing items, a bag of dust, a ruby, and a helmet, which he'll be doing over the next few few bits of this. Yeah, so he goes on to, in the, in the next sections, to find these things. So he, he first goes and gets um, his bag of dust, is that correct? Yeah, from John Constantine. Which from John Constantine. was so cool. I... Mm. I love that you can recognize characters from yep. various things. It's just, it's neat. Well, also, the reason that Constantine got its own book and the reason that Lucifer got its own book and then became a hit television show is because of Neil Gaiman putting them into these comic books because the artists who drew them in here went to draw, went on to draw the books for DC. And Neil Gaiman was involved in both of those books and like doing like what we would call... um like a producer sort of role where he had like a bunch of ideas. He also wrote another set of books called the books of magic where he didn't write them, but he gave the idea for them. Oh, oh that yeah. is interesting. So I love the books magic. Like I, yeah. I think I, it's, it's fuzzy to remember and be sure, but I suspect I actually might have had those first. Yeah. The, uh, that's like a, a, a little bit of more of a dark Harry Potter kind of story. Yeah. Which totally um, into, but written way before Harry Potter. Tangentially, I collect uh, original comic book art. Uh, Morgan can see some of it in the wall behind me. <laughs> and I happen to have a whole bunch of uh, Constantine, Lucifer, and Books of Magic pages. They are done largely by one of my very favorite artists, Peter Gross. So uh, I, I'm really pumped when I see those out there in the world. And I have a big portfolio full of them. So like all of these spinoffs to Sandman basically 
happened because he just fly by put them into these books here and there. They're not even really in the book for very long. <laughs> so, all right. So cool. he's, yeah, it is cool. So he's got his um, pouch, right? So then he goes on to hell to go see Lucifer. He goes to get his helmet, which again is like a modified World War One gas mask. I don't know. It looks yeah. like a... It looks very or, alien. Yeah. Or like the in Doctor Who, they had those guys, uh, what are they called? The nude something like, I don't know. And they basically hold a little ball, but they have oh, like a oh, long yes. trunky oh, thing. Oh my gosh. They kind of, he kind of looks like that. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a helmet with a weird trunk on the front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a little elephant alien. <laughs> World War One baby. I don't know. So, and then he has to go get his ruby necklace in which yeah. most of his power is stored and someone else has. Dun, dun, dun. So it turns out that John D, Dr. Destiny, uh, dun, dun, had... Dun. A long time ago found the the ruby and realized its power and altered it to like better work for him and not have the ties to magic and dream that it did before like he he severely messed with it in order to like corrupt it slash better utilize its power but he's also like comic book bad guy so he's hanging out in arkham asylum <laughs> with like all the guys who are normally in like all of dc just suddenly comes flooding into the picture and you're like oh oh yeah dc puts this book out actually vertigo puts this book out but vertigo is a sub genre of dc books so you get all the dc characters which is kind of fun I don't think I understood that as a kid. I remember yeah. seeing all these names that I recognized, like Arkham and Gotham City and what have you, and thinking, is he allowed to do this? Yeah. <laughs> because it didn't feel like a superhero book. Uh-huh. So I recognized all these people and places and things, and I was like, "Is are you allowed to just use other people's stuff in your in your stuff yes you are. <laughs> if you're working for that that company you sure are it turns out yeah i didn't quite make the connection you know yeah kids, they're dumb yeah for sure man when he has to go get that ruby well even before he goes to get that ruby that story 24 hours whoo doggies it's it's john d in a diner with the people who happen to be in the diner. And he basically spends 24 hours torturing them in bizarre ways. Like sometimes he takes their sanity away from them. Sometimes he makes them all have sex with each other. Sometimes he gives his, their sanity back to to them after they have like done on all these terrible things that they did. Like he messes with them. It's really bad. It's really bad. Yeah. It, in the end, they, they all die. Like yeah. he spends 24 hours messing with these people and making them hurt each other and bizarre things before uh, Sandman appears and says, yo, give me my ruby. Yeah. And then John Dee's like, no. And then somehow decides randomly to destroy the ruby. And and so I think it was, they both went like into the realm of dreaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, I think he like overuses it in some way. I thought he deliberately destroyed it somehow thinking he could, uh, like mm. he was trying to nuclear bomb basically with it, but That's he didn't right. realize when you destroy it, you release the power and the power will automatically go back to dream because it's made out of the Sandman. Okay. Yeah. So that's another thing is Morpheus, Sandman and dream are all the same person, mm. including a whole bunch of other names. So if we refer to these, this guy as all of these three things, that's so if you're totally confused, they're all the same. Because person. he is all things, all he things dream. All Yes. Man, and meanwhile, the dreaming got, like, hosed. It was completely destroyed. His castle was destroyed. There was people missing from the dreaming. 
and they had wandered out to do other things, which is, uh, they will of course come up later. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but meanwhile, he's got to like figure out how to get enough power back in order to like rebuild the dreaming and his castle and like get everybody back on track and having good sleep cycles and whatever, because, you know, he, he is a function as well as a, a thing and a person and whatever, but he's a function. And if, if human beings don't dream, we go crazy. So in order to keep the planet safe, we need the Sandman doing his job. And when he wasn't doing it for quite a while, that that's a mess. So he's got to figure out how to get everybody back on track at this point. Yeah, clean up all the, the messes that have kind of occurred in his, his absence, which is, I mean, to some extent, the, the whole rest of this series, the story. Yeah. is little bits and bobs and some i don't know that we really talked necessarily about the overall structure of this book which is if you're not familiar with comic books you know as we've kind of discussed a little bit it's a bunch of very small stories that in print form are then put together in like little batches of like five to ten or so yeah usually and they run about seven or eight is, mm-hmm. is the normal yeah and then They've done the exact same thing for the audio since they've basically word for word taken the script and put it in the, the audio. But that does mean that the stories don't immediately make sense how they relate to each other. Yep. you got to like, think about them as like television series and each graphic novel is a season in, in the series. So usually that has a cohesive sort of story arc to it mm-hmm. or the arc is that there is no arc. Like the third set of books in this is just separate disparate stories, but it's all of those are collected together and then they will move on to another like story arc. So it either has monster of the week or it's an arc. And each one of those is bound by a certain number of comic books that they've bound together as a graphic novel. So yeah, if you, I would say Gaiman can be kind of confusing that way because he just dumps you into a story and you have to just pick it up as you go. But I remember even the first time I read this, like I didn't understand that they were all that connected to each other because I didn't understand how I didn't, wasn't getting them in graphic novel format. I was getting them monthly. And when you have 22 pages a month and the story is eight months long, you forget the details from the first ones. And, and I was young enough to not just go back and read them again. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird thing. But once you get used to the cadence of it, it becomes like, oh, okay, I get what's going on. So it just takes a minute to like, adjust to comic book format, especially when read as an audiobook. Yeah. And I suppose to be fair, there are definitely completely conventional books where you have one setting with characters doing a thing, and you get a little bit of plot 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 and then a chapter pops up where it's a place and people and everything that you're not familiar with at all and you're like what what is going on and it's because the author's doing a thing right like rage of dragons (laughs) (laughs) but to be honest a lot of books will have characters that start out separate and then meet up later on for sure you don't realize you know so you're following kind of multiple plot threads and every da vinci code book which i suppose is actually exactly what this is doing you know it's introducing a lot of plot bites and then eventually mushing them together into a delicious salad and sometimes they don't mush sometimes especially gaiman does this where sometimes he just shows you something for atmosphere what you get is like a small chunk of someone's story and you won't see them again and the thing about Gaiman is you don't know which ones are important and which ones aren't, which I kind of actually respect that in an author of just like, here's some information. Good luck with that. Bye. Yeah, so 
None of it's pure world building. Yeah. Here's yeah. a story that is true about this world that you're reading. And it just might yeah. not relate to other bits of truth you've received. Yeah. All right. So that first whole section is the first graphic novel. And that's dream, getting caught in a bubble, and then getting out of the bubble, and then going to get his stuff back. Mm -hmm. That's the first, I think, seven or eight of these guys. The second graphic novel is about this girl named Rose Walker, who is the granddaughter of one of the people who's that, that woman who was sleeping forever. She actually got essentially raped, impregnated, and had a baby all while she was asleep because she was asleep for 72 years or whatever. And so Rose Walker is her granddaughter. The mom of Rose Walker was the baby that was born and then she had a kid in that amount of time. And it turns out that the dreaming has these things called a vortex and they happen like once in an age. And the vortex is there as like a countermeasure to the dreaming and it tries to destroy the dreaming. And it should have been the person who was sleeping, but since she was sleeping, that couldn't happen. So it got passed genetically down and is now this girl, Rose Walker, but she has no idea. She just gets this, her mom actually gets this note that says, come meet your mom, because this woman thought she had a mom, but that wasn't really her mom. She was adopted, apparently. And so she was like, what? So she they, she gets flown to England with her granddaughter, and she meets this very rich old lady in this really big house, and gets told that that's her mom, and Rose gets told that that's her grandma. The mom stays with the grandmother, because the grandmother is dying. And Rose somehow decides, like, randomly to go to Florida. Yeah. I, I don't know what, where, how, why. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not super well broken down, like how they got from point A to point B, but essentially they find out about their like genetic past and then Rose decides that she needs to go find her brother, which I'm like, why, why didn't you decide to find him sooner? Yeah, maybe she just wants to show him the grandmother. I, I don't know that it's bizarre. She gets told that, that she has you know, a brother, and then she goes to find him in Florida. And she goes to stay at this house. And this house coincidentally looks exactly like a doll's house that was at the grandmother's estate. And in this house is a variety of bizarre characters, of which she meets one. And with this one person, she goes on this road trip to go find her brother. And I don't, it didn't seem like it was gonna, it seemed like it was, they were just gonna go out and get him, but it ended up being kind of a road trip. I don't know. Because they end up at a hotel. And each book kind of has like a, a moderately famous story from Sandman in it. And, and this one is in, in this book, and it is the serial killer convention. <laughs> so the serial killers have rented out. <laughs> Neil told a story about this one time where, that I was, I was at a comic book convention and he was talking about it where he just thought, one day, I wonder if these people have conventions. And so he decided to write a comic book about it. So the serial killers are having a convention where they, they discuss very amusing things. And the whole hotel is supposed to be locked out for them. Like they, no one else can, can yeah. come because they, the serial killers, like the people who are running the thing know that, you know, you shouldn't, as they put it, shit where you eat. So they didn't want to give anybody the opportunity to like, you know, serial kill any other hotel guests. But Rose Walker is going through with this other dude and um, wants and needs to stay somewhere. And so she talks to the front desk guy into letting her stay in this hotel. So this is how these two stories sort of overlap that she's in the hotel with the serial killer convention. Meanwhile, that story is absolutely like I think there's a lot of people who tell me that they find that story really disturbing. And I think it's hysterical. I think it's so funny. Like imagine going to a serial killer convention or like what are the other things that are weird that could have a convention around? I think literally anything like I think dentists yeah. have a convention yeah 
any job ever. But like, but it's not a job. <laughs> I mean, I guess to Neil Gaiman, maybe serial killers is a job. Well, or funny. any hobby. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like comic book conventions, of course, yep. and like anime and different like movie Harry Potter convention, like all the if if you love a thing, there's gonna yeah. be a convention out there for it. I bet you gardening yeah. has its yeah. own. Bird watching probably has one. If yeah. You want me to keep naming weird ones. I'll keep trying. All right, I'll sit here. Find one as cool as serial killers go. As cool as serial killers. Mm, by whose metric, madame? No games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? Oh, there's. A, uh, I was going to say, I bet you there's a video editing convention, and then I realized, yes, there is. Bitcoin. Of course there is. VidCon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I think it's really funny because the whole thing is just kind of a gag that Neil thought would be hysterical so that he could sit there and try to think about because he goes to so many comic book conventions. So he was trying to think about what the panels would be at a serial killer convention, like, you know, cleaning your equipment, <laughs> how to kind of funny, like things that would make people who are still serial killers sit in a convention and be like, wow, I never thought about that. That's awesome. Hey, can I get your autograph kind of things? So, yeah, I, that I find that one very funny. And it seems like a really people, fun uh, mental exercise. Yeah. Most people find it really thing. disturbing, but it's funny. Anyway, so Rose gets essentially almost serial killed. And the guy that she is with is, what is that guy's name? He has a name. Gil? 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 Gilliard? One Gil? second. He's the man who was living at the top of the attic of the house. Like, yeah. he was like the weird man who for a while, like, would only kind of shout through his door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But somehow like, come out. He shows up to, to go on this road trip with Rose and no Rose is like, wait, what? Why? Okay, sure. And then just gets in the car with him. I'm like, you you have not been taught. This is definitely late 80s. <laughs> Gilbert, yes. Yeah, Gilbert. But that's not who he really is. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Plot twist. Yeah. Um, um, he, he is one of the dreaming. Um, and oh, one of the is, missing ones. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Isn't he the place? Yeah, isn't that weird? He's like, he's a person, but I guess in the same way, maybe that dream is a person, but also like an entire ineffable concept. Yeah. He's a Fiddler's Green. Fiddler's which, Green, yeah. Isn't that like, yeah, that's a dream place, right? Yeah, yeah. It's also like, I think there is an actual Fiddler's Green in England. There's a lot of like, Britishness in this as well. So he, at some point, tells Rose, like, if you ever need help, call Morpheus's name. And he will come help you. And then he's randomly missing. And you don't really find out like why he's missing. He's just gone during this whole like potential serial killer incident. And so Rose calls Morpheus to come help her. And so he shows up and lays the thump down on this guy and tells Rose to like book it. And then ends up finding out that Fiddler's Green gave her the name and takes him back to the dreaming because he's one of the people who are missing. So who are all the people that are missing? Let's see. They all show up. Yes. So we, we end up getting all four of the, the people that are missing show up in the story. Corinthian. We haven't even talked about him yet. Oh yeah. It's like the creepy like teeth for eyes guy. Yeah. He has them in his hands too. Like they don't <sighs> talk about that in the, the audio book version, uh -huh. but like if you look at the pictures of him, he also has like little mouths in his hands and I think on his fingertips. Like there's little mouths. A weird dude. He's a weird dude. <laughs> he's a really weird dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to the serial killer convention because he like kills people so he can eat their eyes. He becomes the guest of honor. 
Oh, that's right. He's a fan- fancy fellow. Well, I mean, he seems like a really like bougie serial killer. <laughs> like he's real good at it. He always wears these sunglasses because in his eye sockets are not eyeballs. They are mouths. They yep, look just like little, very little balls. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah. Um, so the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing the Corinthian like hovered over someone going nom, 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 nom. <laughs> So the other two are hanging out with characters that we haven't met yet, but will soon. What are they? Glob. Glob and Brute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the brother that Rose came out here to find, he has actually been trapped in the basement of his, gosh, his like dad's brother's cousin or like you know it's one of those monkeys weird... uncle's friend yeah, yeah <laughs> he somehow ended up with these people who are like very distantly related to him and they're like taking his welfare checks yeah, they 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 like adopted him so that they can get a payment mm-hmm. so there are people who do that they take like foster children in and then they treat them like garbage so that they can collect money you know i don't know though i think i'm i kind of wonder like how much of that is an urban myth that it happened like it happens once or twice and then everybody thinks like oh there's all these people i listen to this this podcast called you're wrong about and Mm -hmm. they tell you lots of stuff like that like things you thought you knew about that are totally urban myths like the the one I just listened to was about crack babies and stuff so and like that that's not (laughs) really a thing and and I remember in that time like I was alive when crack babies were all over the news and it turns out that's not actually a thing (laughs) yeah I think it's it's up there with a satanic panic and yeah yeah, yeah. other like Things that get super brought up by the media and mm-hmm. turn into like a frenzy with yeah. other media channels reporting a, a, a different channel's news. But like, yeah, no one's actually, yeah, reporting a specific case. You right. Know what I mean? Yeah. So there's like the welfare kids that are like, or uh, sorry, foster kids that are like in the news. And, th- and I think this is topical at the time that this is being written, that at the time people were worried about like kids being fostered solely for people to get the check on it like you it's it comes up in movies a lot during this era too like the the late 80s early 90s when this book was written they talk about this a lot so I kind of wonder about that like I I I guess I got to go to do some research on whether or not that's like how prevalent is that (laughs) podcast researching yes (laughs) so whether it's true in uh, real life or not it is true in the context of our story yeah poor little jeb jed excuse me is living in a in the basement in rags and like has to pee in the corner kids live in a real rough life so what he does is sleeps as much as he possibly can in his dreams he's hanging out with superheroes and fighting the bad guys and riding cool animals and flying all this stuff but it's like a consistent dream that he returns to it's like it's almost like dream is helping him out a little bit by giving him a place to hide i oh i mean i feel like that would be the ideal thought but i think what it actually is is isn't it that glob and brute those two that escaped didn't they create like a little dream Pocket. bubble yeah or something mm-hmm. yeah yeah like a place for them to live oh that's what that's they were hiding they yeah. were hiding away from the dreamland in because the- they don't want morpheus to find him yeah yeah oh weird so anyway they they get this guy <laughs> Oh, wait, where were we? <laughs> the kid is hiding in the basement. Oh yeah, uh, doesn't he? Doesn't he call the dream? The dream yeah. shows up, and yeah. he breaks this this dream bubble. He captures Glob and Brute and says, "Come back home." Yeah, <laughs> you know he's on a mission to find all the people that are missing from the dreaming because you can't. I don't think he got the Corinthian back yet at this point, did he? Did I don't he? remember an I don't interaction think he did either. 
Corinthian. I don't, I think it's still free. Yeah, there's more Corinthian later in the in the series. I do know that. So I think Corinthian is still out and about at this point. Anyway, he he's out in, on kind of a mission to find all, all the people who are missing from the Dreaming because you can't have them running around like the real world. That just doesn't really do. Only the Sandman gets to do that. Right, right. And he tries <laughs> to avoid it whenever humanly possible. Yeah, no, that's fair. He doesn't usually like just go out and about being weird. He tries to yeah. blend in like where clothes of the day and stuff like that yeah yeah for sure eventually rose is able to find her brother jed having escaped from dreamland and escaped from like this weird mm-hmm. monster situation that he was in they get back to florida she's resting up her housemate they start mm-hmm. having really weird 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 dreams yeah for sure which i think is the start of her her vortexing yeah, and I, Dream is somewhere, and he he sees that there is a vortex, and he's like, "Oh crap, vortex!" And then he figures out who and what and where it is, and and finds Rose again because he had already met her and she, yep. and told her to get get going. And then he's like, "Oh, hold up a second, this is her." So then he basically like ends up snagging her and saying, "Okay, so gotta Sorry. kill you, gotta yeah. gotta do it." He's like, it's really nothing personal. I don't really want to do this, but like, you will destroy all of the dreaming. Meanwhile, grandmother is back in England with mom. Grandmother is dying. And she she is like the equivalent of a 17-year-old mentally, right? Because she fell asleep yeah. when she's like 17. So she's emotionally like not, like she really wants her mommy at this point. Um, because she would like to, she'd feel less scared about dying. But she's basically dying. And that's why she contacted her daughter and her granddaughter um to come get the fortune i guess or whatever is going to happen um so she she says wait a minute i'm dying anyway so and it should have been me that was the vortex so dream should take me so the grandma comes basically and rescues rose from having to get murdered and then rose just gets to be a regular human after that yeah i mean as regular as you can be with like some severely bizarre life experiences the thing about this whole book is and i mean all 75 plus the overture novels or uh, comic books is that it's like a dream <laughs> like that's the best way i can explain it where you can be fully on a path and then the path just like like the whole scene just changes and you're like okay i'm going with this now you know how like in your dreams they're not linear a lot of the times or like the room changes color and you don't know why, but you don't really think about it. And like that kind of stuff happens in the dream. And so stuff, stuff in this book sometimes doesn't make sense. And sometimes that will come to make sense later when you hit another part of the story that will sort of bring you back full circle and be like, Oh, that's why that happened. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like a dream where you're just like, well, that was weird. And then you move on. (laughs) So yeah, this whole second book is really, it's uh, the whole thing's called The Doll's House. And it's essentially about Rose Walker and what happens with her and how the woman who was asleep, oh, there is something else about her that ended up making her the vortex, which is the person who raped her grandmother is actually Dream's brother, sister, desire. Yeah, they they are a they. Um, They are androgynous and portray both sexes or genders. I guess both, actually. Yeah. I think they, they can have everything. both. 
yeah, they are everything. the embodiment of desire, whatever that means to any given person. So yeah. they are all things, if that makes yeah. sense. So that person actually ended up raping the grandmother while she was asleep. And the grandmother had, I, I don't understand having a baby while you're in a coma, but okay. Yeah, but I guess your uh, body does the business, right? I guess so, yeah. So, um, so Rose isn't human, exactly. She's sort of half endless. And really, does you find out that Desire was attempting to uh, trick Dream into killing an endless, which is a giant no-no. Like, they are not allowed to kill them. There's like one rule is that they are not allowed to kill each other. They seem to have no allegiance. They have like little kind of a click that happens. Sometimes there's two factions to the Endless. But if you read Overture, Desire actually helps out Dream a lot in that. And he he goes out, or they go out of their way a lot to help uh, Dream in that book. So I think they sort of, the Endless themselves sort of volley back and forth. They're not always on the same team. They're kind of like random, but they just try to mess with each other a lot. <laughs> Which so, makes sense, I guess, if you literally are, like, the, not just immortal, endless. but beyond immortal, endless, mm -hmm. it makes sense that, you know, every hundred years, thousand years, whatever, you get bored, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna go mess with one of my siblings. Yeah, so, so there there are other halves, too, like, Dream does have a son, that, and they mention it in one of the, in this book at some point, but at, at some point later, you will get to meet the son. Uh, so there are offspring or what do they call those scions like half mm -hmm. half half endless uh, that are running around and so Rose Walker is actually one of those so I have a feeling that it's gonna come to be one of those things that gets mentioned later so then we go to the third book and the third section of this is I think six completely random short story format stories mm -hmm. that don't have anything to do with each other some of them don't even have dream in them. Some of them... Correct. <laughs> one of them has death in it, but not dream. Um, and at some point, you you have already met death, and it, death is dream's uh, younger sister, I think? Older. Older sister, yeah. And she is, like, the cutest little girl. Like, she's not a girl. She's, like, she appears to be, like, 17. Um, she wears, like, an awk necklace. She's super sweet. Like, all she wants to do is help people. She's, yeah, like... Perfect goth vibes yeah, going on. Perky goth. She's, like, super fun. And, you know, when people meet her, they're like, oh, it's you. And then she takes them to wherever they go. This this next section is just, like, a bunch of short stories. Um, one of them is about a muse that is captured by a author and then given to another author. And... Uh, dream has to come save her. There's another one that is about. Uh, it's called A Dream of a Thousand Cats, and it's about cats. And this one really touched Morgan. <laughs> it's, about like, it's about cats. <laughs> um, and and the story is uh, these cats go to hear this elder cat speak. So they they all sneak out of their houses one they night and go to this. They, they go to they... a cat convention. <laughs> <laughs> and the story that the the elder cat tells is that. The world used to be run by cats, but that human beings dreamed into existence the domination of human beings. And so by that factor, it is technically possible for the cats to dream themselves back into being the powerful ones and human beings just being their servants and toys. Except you can't convince cats, cats to all do the anything. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, wah, wah, at the end of that story. Yeah. But it's a cute little story. There's another one about another random DC character that Gaiman got his hands on and wanted to play with. And she is a, she's called Elemental Girl, I think. Is that right? 
Element yeah. Girl? Something like that. Element Girl, something like that. She's made out of base elements, and she can manifest herself into, like, a person, but not for very long. And I, it seems like she's getting worse and worse at doing it, so she's kind of a, a shut-in. And all she wants to be able to do is basically die. She wants to find out how to... It's like, this happened as, like, a freak accident to her. So um, Death shows up to try to cheer her up, <laughs> which is really cute. Um, and then the last one is called A Midsummer Night's Dream. And you actually have met Shakespeare earlier, although he's going by a different Shakespeare or something like that earlier in one of the stories. Because canonically, canonically, in real life, <laughs> I think that there are multiple documented spellings for his name. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm playing off that. So I, I was watching a thing on Shakespeare before, and it said that he actually only spelled his name the same way twice ever. And the reason we spell it the way we do is because that one way that he spelled it twice in his entire life is that way. <laughs> Um, but he, there's like some weird, like 37 different documented ways that he signed his own name because they only have that many documents, like houses he's owned or tax forms he had to sign or like whatever. There's only a certain number of like evidential cases of him writing his own name down. And these are, that's they, including like on his own plays, which I find very funny. <laughs> anyway, so earlier in the story, you you have met this dude who dream is letting live forever for whatever reason. And I don't know how he's in charge of that because, like, he's not death. So, no, it's, so it's uh, dream and death are meeting each other. Like they're hanging out in a random tavern bar thing in like the 1300s. It, it's yeah. not just dream; death is there as well. And yeah. they are chatting, and they overhear Hob. I think it's his name. Yeah, Hob at the beginning. He's yeah. like loudly at the the uh mm -hmm. bar just kind of ranting about how like death is a sham like if you just don't oh, believe yeah. you won't mm -hmm. die then you won't die it'll be fine and i think dream and death are like oh really yeah yeah <laughs> so they let this guy live for a really long time and 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 dream had been meeting up with him every hundred years to hear how his life was going basically but in the background of that story you see william shakespeare sitting in the corner at, and at that time morpheus went off and to talk to him and you find out in this last one that Morpheus made a deal with Shakespeare to give him inspiration, basically. And in return, Shakespeare would write two plays for him, one at the beginning of his career and one at the end. And the one at the beginning is A Midsummer Night's Dream. And it's um, he wanted that story specifically to keep the world of fairy alive in human imagination, because he knew that these stories would live forever as long as William Shakespeare wrote them. And he wanted to make sure as like a favor to fairy, which he's not part of but he's like a, a uh, peer welcome of? guest maybe a welcome guest yeah like yeah. they're they're like sort of peers but he wanted to do them a favor and make sure that they never got forgotten because the second that they get forgotten they cease to exist and so because human beings minds i guess make all gods and monsters live so he commissioned this and then there's another one that's going to happen later in the series which i believe is the tempest which is like what shakespeare writes at the end of his his existence for dream and they're like both commissioned specifically like this particular story needs to get written mm -hmm. so and he invites fairy to come watch <laughs> them get a play made about themselves which is very amusing yeah. yeah and they i think that they are like appropriately amused <laughs> they're like oh, you know uh some different fairy folk are making fun of each other like hey puck that's you <laughs> that yeah, yeah. like <laughs> yeah uh, they're definitely having fun with it and the king and queen of fairy are there and they seem like you know hmm uh, oh, oh what, what is it there's a line that they say something about like these things never happened and yet 
they are true. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that plays in so well with one, the power of imagination and plays and stories and, you know, which is what this entire medium that we're talking about every podcast. (laughs) Uh, It also plays back to the dream of a thousand cats. Yeah. Where the concept of dreaming or kind of mentally creating a reality, and that is what's real. Like mm-hmm. it's it's interesting how these themes do kind of revolve through the story over and over. Yeah, if you there's there's like many levels to listen to Neil Gaiman just in general. If you read his surface stuff, you can be very entertained. If you take what you're reading and think about it a little bit deeper, you can get a lot out of the things that he says, and he says the same thing in almost every book which is what is in your head is the only thing that matters. He says that a lot. Um, American Gods, for example, talks a lot about how like gods only exist as long as people believe in them, right? The second that the last person stops believing in a god or worshiping that god, that god has no power and just dies. Mm -hmm. And so gods are constantly trying to do things in order to get humans to believe in them. I feel like this is the episode where we talked about the plot summary the longest of any (laughs) usually we're like there's so there's 20 different plots (laughs) yeah 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 that's true so what were your favorite characters or elements in this book oh that's so that's so hard i mean i do love death there is something very fun about instead of your kind of traditional grim reaper sort of mental image instead we have a, a kind of perky goth girl and Every time you see her interacting with characters that she's reaping as, as part of her duties as, as death, it's always in an incredibly, as kind as she can possibly do it. Yeah, you and know, she takes trying, time to help. Yeah, she wants them to, to understand what's going on and not just like, boop, you're dead. Yeah. Like, like, no, yeah. no, no, let me explain what happens. And usually they just look at her and know. Yeah, They understand in the same way that if we, if, if for some reason you were to ever truly see the Grim Reaper, we yeah. have a, a mental understanding of what that is. And we would go, oh, oh no. Right. Is this really what's happening? Mm-hmm. Like, but you would just know. And so that for some reason seems to be the case in this world. Did Character- you watch Dead Like Me? Uh, I did. It's been a while. Death Like Me is basically death. Like... It's the same. I, I, I feel like they must have taken some part of that from her because yeah. her job is to, to be a reaper, but she does it in a lot of times a very kind way in the same way. Yeah, which is, I think, yeah. nice. There's something. She's also just, she's funny and she's smart. And yeah. she, like, she's, I mean, she's a fictional character, but she's written to be an extremely likable yeah yeah for sure i know that we haven't gotten to this question yet but if we were to do the whole person i could sit down and just chat with i want to chat with her because i feel like i could ask her whatever and she would answer whereas dream would be like no yeah (laughs) i just won't answer your question you're dumb uh i mean not necessarily but you get what i mean yeah for sure i mean i love death too i think she's awesome i i loved the cat story like obviously i'm into cats anyway but like i thought it was really well done um and the the characters i also thought like in a weird way the serial killers were very funny like when you meet each one of them and find out what their shtick is and stuff like that like (laughs) how silly like absolutely silly would you say that was your like favorite of of the 20 different short stories we are presented with here is that your favorite one oh god no i liked that weird one in the desert in, in Africa with the... Yeah, I was actually going to say, like, we, we didn't talk about it because I think we were kind of wrapped up in things that related to each other more. Yeah. And if I recall, the story does relate later on. Yeah. But 
in the context of this specific audiobook, it's a, just like a one-off. Yeah. Well, no, because earlier in the book, Dream had been talking about his wife or girlfriend, Nadia, Nadia, something. Uh, Nada. 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 Yeah. So, so Dream had been talking about her earlier, and then they tell the story in which she appears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she, I believe that she's featured more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Future books that are not included. She's like the a former lover of his, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, one time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is a very cool story, and the way that it's written at or written it told because it's like an old man telling his grandson, like yeah. this ancient story that I will tell you once, and someday, hopefully, when you're old enough, you will tell your son or grandson. Like it's a, it's an interesting. And you must story? you must tell it once. You must hear it once, and you must tell it only once, and you must tell it word for word. So you're like, oh, that's a lot of pressure. Like, I don't know <laughs> yeah. if I'd remember that word for word like 60 <laughs> years later. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's interesting. Interesting to hear the story. And in the comic, I feel like I remember it being visually cool. Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah. Sandman is so different. He's yeah a different thing to each person who sees him. Yeah, absolutely. Very- I don't know. They're all, all of the story. I just love being in Neil Gaiman's head. Like basically, <laughs> this is just like fleeting, flicking dreams of Neil Gaiman's brain, and I love it. I also like. I have heard him in person because he used to come to San Francisco and the Bay Area a lot. Like one year, we saw him literally five times in one year, because he was at Comic Con, and then he came up here, I think, four times um, in one year. And so I've heard him speak enough that even if I just read his stuff, I can hear his voice. Nice. It's the most soothing voice. Oh, so good. People tell me that, and I'm like, no, no. Neil Gaiman has the most soothing voice. <laughs> do you have what like was a... your? Oh, go ahead. No, you're good. I was gonna say, uh, did you have a place in the story that you would like to visit? There are a lot of places. There are a lot of so places. There's a lot of places. Do you just want to look around there? No, there are a lot of places I wouldn't want to go for sure. I mean. I guess I'd probably want to go to the Midsummer Night's Dream one and just see all the pay. Like, I think that'd be really fun Fun to, like, watch them watch themselves be played by mortals on stage. Like, how absolutely absurd that would be. And then also just to see, you know, Titania and Oberon and stuff. So, especially having read the Dresden Files, Titania is a completely different person in that book. You see her in a completely different way, and Oberon's not even mentioned. <laughs> but funnily, Oberon in a completely different format as in our next book. So oh, it should be fun. Right. Yeah. Uh, I really like the tavern. Like, I yeah. think it's, it's really cool to follow not only this character, Hob, because mm-hmm. Sam meets with him every hundred years. Yeah. Because he's decided not to die, apparently. But they meet up in the same tavern. But the tavern, of course, changes over time. It's just such an interesting concept. I don't know, like, what year I would prefer to see it in. Yeah. Maybe, like, 1589. Yeah. It's always 89 is yeah. the, the year that they meet in. Mm-hmm. That'd be a cool year to to see a like late Victorian or uh, late Elizabethan tavern. That'd yeah. be sweet. It is really fascinating to to watch that change through the ages. Like there are taverns that have existed. Like I, I, I went to one in Bath that has been around since like 13 something or 14 something. And you're just like, holy cow. Like you can still eat in the room that people have been eating in for 600 years. That's twice as old as our country. So, like, that's pretty crazy. 
Okay, so who would you want to sit down and have tea with other than death? Uh, what? What? I mean, I guess in that that same conversation we were just having, Hob. Hob seems Hob. like he, he knows. He's had shit. a lot of life. Yeah. And I feel like <laughs> as long as you could be like, yo, I know that you don't die. Well, let's just mm-hmm. get past that part. Tell me about your life. Tell me about things you've seen and changes you've seen. And I, I guess part of me is like wants to have like a an audio recorder. Tell me it all. <laughs> does he ever die? Like, does he ever get done? Like, I think that story just sort of like falls off. Uh, Dream asks and like, are you done yet? And he's like, yeah, nope, no, not yet. Yep. I think Calliope. Like, I would love to know what it's like to talk to a muse. Like, I don't want to catch her. I don't want to. I just want to see, like, what is that like to inspire mm-hmm. to that level? Like, I think that's crazy. And I'm, I was really sad for her in that story where she was captured by the author. Like, that was horrible. Yeah. But, she gets free in the end, at least. Yeah. All right. What did you love about these this audio book? I, I really, really enjoyed the the full cast. There's something so cool about that. I've listened yeah. to several audiobooks where there's maybe two or three main mm-hmm. characters and they'll like sometimes they'll go ahead and switch, especially if it's a female and ma- male character as like mm-hmm. the main two. I've definitely seen some books or listened to some books where they'll switch between uh, two different readers for those. But having full cast, <laughs> that's yeah. very, very, very cool. I really enjoyed that. And I think I enjoyed all the like little sound effects and, and things like that. I read some reviews where people were really annoyed by it, but no, I'm into it. I like it. I was super into that too. What about, is there anything you didn't like about these books? This book? I guess these comic books in one audio book i mean no in that like there was nothing as i was listening that i went oh this is terrible uh the dr hugh music was fun and maybe a little silly i liked it (laughs) like at each uh, chapter they would i think both end and begin Uh uh-huh or maybe Either way, they would have like this music that would play every chapter, kind of like dun, 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 chapter 10. So let me <laughs> like, tell you a story, a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. If we're, if we're getting into like overall like likes and dislikes, then a- as we've already mentioned, this is a very, very faithful retelling of the comic book it is almost word for word they only add in extra like little descriptions to help set the scene for little things that you couldn't see like they'll say oh there's 20 people lined up in a row and then start the script just so that you have some kind of sense of what's what's going on in a scene Uh, but it is almost like 98 percent an exact retelling of the comic book which is very cool and i think that whenever (laughs) you know that thing when they make a book into a movie Mm -hmm. and people complain about like oh no that character's supposed to have green eyes tom bombadil like all just little stuff that changes whether it's because it was incompatible with the actors or too expensive to try and produce whatever like the effect that was needed you know for whatever billions of little reasons they're not the same then they can't be whereas this i think is about as the same as you can possibly get it yep downside there is if you're already familiar with the comics uh then unfortunately you're not really getting any like new story i i guess i kind of assumed that 
it would be a retelling, but with new words, I guess. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and once I realized that it was like, no, it's a word for word retelling. One, I realized, oh, <laughs> Neil's writing is just so good. Like it, it already yeah. covers everything you need it to say. But I don't know. There, there's a little tiny part of me that's maybe super greedy and wishes there was like a bonus audiobook story or something. The thing for me was like, even though it is an exact retelling, I got so much out of listening to it that I do feel like it's worth listening to, even if you're like super familiar with it. Because you get to hear it as Neil intended it. Like when you read a comic book, you get to read what Neil intended and then hand it off to a guy who drew. And he had to read Neil's notes and talk to Neil and then draw some stuff. And then he handed it off to a guy who wrote words and bubbles in certain ways. And then he handed it off to a guy who did the coloration on that. And each one of these comic books, not every single one, but pretty regularly, they switched human beings who were doing the other three jobs. So Neil was the only constant. They have a lot of artists on Sandman. A lot. Most people didn't do more than a couple books. And by books, I don't mean the entire graphic novel. I mean each individual comic book. And this this particular set audiobook was 20, remember? So I like it and I got more out of it than I think I've ever gotten out of reading it because I got it how Neil intended it. And so that to me made it different and special. And like I said, I made connections. I didn't even know we're, we're there the first several times I've read this. Mm. So yeah. And I, we have a little thing in our our script that says, you know, what did you love? What did you hate? And all I wrote was all caps, no punctuation. I love it. It was perfect. Fight me. I, I <laughs> so I don't... You're allowed to love something that think it's completely perfect. And that is totally yep. fine. Yep. I think it was perfect. I no don't even fault. need, I don't even need you to make me feel good about it. I feel good about it by, by myself. I just, <laughs> I'm like, it's mine. I love it. I think it's good. I want it. I do think like, well, we're going to come to that. Do you want to do, do you want to do like, I'm going to skip ahead to, would you recommend this to a friend? I think I would recommend this to someone as as long as they meet several criteria. I think it's the yeah. answer we give every time we, we say we're going to recommend a book. Like, you have to be okay with, like, hey, there are some super, super uncomfortable topics that are mentioned or or that happen to characters in the book. There's anything and everything. It's in there. Yep. And... <laughs> that can be rough and yeah i guess be okay with a bunch of stories that may or may not connect for the most part they connect but yeah. it's easy when you're starting out the book to be like i don't understand what what is going on and yeah. if you're like easily discouraged that could, yeah. could be a problem but one thing i do totally recommend if it is an available option to you if you can like read the comic book and listen to the story Mm. that is super cool. I, yeah. I I did that for a couple chapters, mostly because at first I was just checking like, wait a second, is this a word for word? You know, and so I was reading along uh, as the, the audiobook was playing and realized, yes, it is totally word for word. Uh, but it's just, it's cool. It's cool to have best of both worlds, the visual of what is going on in, in the yeah. story, how these artists have chosen to uh, depict the characters in the scene. And like the cool sound effects and the typing and the, you know, the voice yeah. actors. That's super cool. So I would recommend this to a friend. As long as the friend was not fragile. 
Because if you're fragile, and, and I don't mean that in an insulting way, I just mean like many people will self-identify as nope to this. Like Marika, we were like, hey girl, not for you. <laughs> because, you know, it's not for her. So if you're a person who hears us talk about this and goes, hmm, that's not for me, don't read this. Um, but I would totally recommend it to a person who already I know likes Neil Gaiman for sure, even though really most people have, was this was the first thing they encountered. Um, but then also what you said about reading it with the comic book answers my, is it worth a reread question, which is, yeah, I think you should reread it. Like, I, I think I would reread it or re-listen to it while looking at the comic books at the same time, because I think that would be a really cool experience for sure. What rating would you give it? I Five out of five. Like, yeah, I, I don't think it's possible to... No, it clearly it is possible, because you can always find somebody who's salty about something. But it's so good and so well done. And anybody who's ever complained about a movie not being exactly like the books, like... Mm -hmm this is your wet dream. This is perfectly exactly what you desire. Like, yeah, yeah, it is. It is perfectly the audio version of the, the yeah. comic books. Let me just take a moment also to talk about James McAvoy as Sandman. <laughs> Hi. Hello. <laughs> I would like him to be my Sandman, please. I'm into that. <laughs> if they uh, ever did like a, a video, I know that they've done like some small attempts at shows and movies and whatever hey like, hey really hey don't mess up my speed round stop it oh my bad okay <laughs> taking it back uh so i'm gonna ask the dumbest question if there are other books in this series would you want to read them I, yeah they're, Heck yeah they're, i want i would like the next one please if if audible drops the ball on this and does not make that happen i am gonna freak out like, I want to start writing letters right now and be like, hey, make sure you're on that. Hey, you remember that thing you guys did with the Sandman thing? Yeah, could you get another one of those going immediately? Please, thanks. I, I need that. Now, please. Yeah, I'm going to, like, George R. R. Martin this this all <laughs> over the place. All right, since you want to do it, let's do speed round. All right. Okay. If this book had a theme song, what would it be? Let me tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, an obvious answer here. Mr. Sandman. Mr. Sandman. Yeah. Oh, God. What was that one MASH song? I don't know why. Like from I the TV show up. MASH? Yeah. I was looking it up recently, and I can't remember why, but the um, um, suicide is painless. Mm -hmm. Like, something about the very macabre feeling of that. But... Uh, it, it jibes well with the story it does yeah all right if this were made into a movie who would you cast as dream and death <laughs> all right well oh that is tough so you we mentioned that the the narrator for sandman is james and he'd be okay but I, I keep seeing him as like your baby professor mm -hmm. x and I, I i realize you shouldn't typecast all the, you know people into roles that they've done but i think of him as the guy from split man well, fair Ooh. enough uh, have so, you seen that it's so good i have not he, I just you should watch out. it oh my god i'm the worst <laughs> you should watch it just for mcavoy being 20 different people like it is amazing it right. is his entire like the way his blood vessels pop on his forehead changes 
from second to second, depending on who he's playing. It's crazy. Weird. He's I, such a good actor. Movie? Split the movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Also, there's a movie called Glass, which is in the same universe. So it's this. It's in the same universe as Unbroken, which is like that. Uh, what is his name? Bruce Willis movie from the '90s. There's a movie called Unbroken, Unbreakable. Sorry. And if you you should watch that too. I mean, it's actually pretty good. And then Split is the next movie, and then Glass is the thing that brings them all together. So. All right. I mean, Split sounds interesting. I gather yeah. from your description and the name that it's about like a person with. 20 split personalities he actually has 21 but yeah i think in split he may perform like 14 of them but in then glass he does 20 of them or mm-hmm. something like that like it's he's so good even if you don't like the story itself like mcavoy is choice also he's super ripped <laughs> just saying um i feel like benedict cumberbatch i feel mm-hmm. could play an interesting sandman i mean i i feel like sandman's got a weird face so the person who they had cast to be him and who got the farthest in ever making one, I think is my person. And it's JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm, one second, one second. To the Googles. You will know him from Third Rock from the Sun, Inception. Also, if you ever wanted to look at a picture, he looks like um, Keanu Reeves and Heath Ledger had a baby and produced this kid i will show you a picture of him split faced with keith ledger and it will trip you out okay i'm looking and so i now recognize who you're talking about mm-hmm. i don't see it but that's okay. okay that's fair that is fine oh what's his name the character who plays sam in supernatural or the actor that plays the character sam in supernatural i don't watch supernatural because they just that. just super that's tall big. very like angular facial features is that misha collins no misha collins is castiel the angel anyways i feel like he could be a really interesting sandman again i gotta make up up you know Mm -hmm. that's half the battle there for death i feel like natalie dormer could be kind of interesting oh okay yeah or or uh padme uh natalie portman yes i I have like she could be a really sexy like gothed up zoe deschanel Mm, yeah no that's fair that is fair if dream were not a member of the endless just a normal dude what job would he have you should see morgan's face guys like she is making the most foul she smells poop there is something odorous in her presence face that she's making at me i just i can't imagine him doing doing anything like he does what he does he does he collects the dreams that's not part of this game i feel like he would want to work a job where he's alone or like doesn't depend on other people to do things I don't know, like a lumberjack oh something okay nice and like a solitude yes i feel like he'd appreciate that i would give him a night job of some sort <laughs> like a security guard yeah if you could change anything about this book what would it be i mean i know i said that it would be kind of nice to have an additional like mm-hmm. sweet short story just for like fans who have you know read this new thing but i don't even know that i wish it was different Maybe I just want more more Neil content, and uh, I'm not picky about where it is exactly. I would want them to make the next one faster. <laughs> I think they said this one took a year to make, and that, like that that was pre-COVID, so it might take a little bit longer. Well, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Depends. Yeah, if people are free, it, it might be actually easier now because people are more free, and yeah, they can just go to a sound. Like, they don't have to be together to record. They can just record their lines. The question I always ask, three words to describe this book weird 
ineffable. Stealing from another game and novel. Yeah, yeah, don't mind me. Twisted. Yeah. Not necessarily in bad ways, although also in totally bad ways. The the story is bizarrely twisted with so many other different worlds and works of fiction. It's a really bizarre thing to experience. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Morgan. Yes? What are we reading next? Oh, we're going to be reading Hounded by Kevin Hearn. Yep. Like Hearn's Forest. And this is the first of the Iron Druid Chronicles, which I've maybe heard of, although maybe that's just from Noelle constantly hyping it up. I am super into this book series, guys. Like, not to give you two book series is what I love, like, smack in a row, but like, honestly, okay, it's Harry Potter, Harry Dresden, Iron Druid. The the thing about the Iron Druid Chronicles is it's only, I think it's eight or nine books, and that's it. There is no more. Because that's a, to a druid, then I think it's eight. The number eight is actually like a a significant number. So they he just wrote eight books. And they take place over a very long period of time. And that's totally kosher in this world. And they are very fun. They also have all the gods all together. Like there's a reverent level of, of joy with godness. So it's, it's totally up my street. I think you're going to love it, Morgan. I look forward to it. It'll be fun. All right. I'd like to thank everybody for coming out to listen to our podcast again. I would like to give you homework as usual. First, to rate this book on your purchase platform. Also, to rate this podcast on wherever you listen to that. And then follow us on Instagram at ladieswhogenre.com. And that will let you know what's coming up and remind you about when we have our podcast coming out. See you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye.